Okay, here we are with Bon Jovi Discussions. Uh, today I have Betsy Gold, Beth Thornton, the bitch pop, Carl, <laughs> <laughs> what you want. Um, Beth, uh, or Betsy, I'll let you introduce yourself and you know, talk a little bit, you know, how you became a fan, a Bon Jovi fan and all that. Awesome. Cool. So yeah, I'm Betsy Gold. I used to be Beth Thornton and had to change the name because there is a, an artist that's already super well established called Beth Orton and it was getting very confusing. So uh, my family all call me Betsy and my mum's maiden name was Gold. So I was like, let's just get the two together and get rid of any confusion. And um, I became like the biggest Bon Jovi fan probably in the UK when I was really young and someone showed me have a nice day. And um, I like obviously knew living on a prayer and stuff like that before. And I thought it was great, but I didn't really know anything about Bon Jovi. And because I was so young, I hadn't really listened to the songwriting and stuff. And when I heard Have a Nice Day, I was like, oh, my God, like, this is what good lyrics are. Like, these are amazing. And I remember saying to my mum, like, I want to do what they do when I'm older. And I didn't even know what it meant. I just knew that I wanted to be doing music and writing stuff. And, and I said to her, like, I want to open for them one day. And <laughs> she was like, OK, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's how it all began have with Have a Nice Day. And so, so is that like your favorite album from them or? It, that and um, Lost Highway, because that's when oh. I, those two are like, they're like my prime super getting into Bon Jovi years. And Lost Highway is just one of the best albums of all time from, from any band, I'd say anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah, Have a Nice Day has a special place in my heart because that's when I like discovered them and discovered my love for songwriting and for music. So, yeah, and you know the the songwriting on Lost Highway, I think, is one of the most honest songwriting John has ever written, besides his solo album Destination Anywhere. But like with the band, I think that's his most open and best lyrically songs he's ever written. I, in my opinion. So. Oh, I completely agree. So good. I love the polls that you do on Twitter. I always vote for those. Oh. When it got to Lost Highway, I was like, this is so hard. <laughs> I know. And like, you want to make a memory, just like wipe the whole album, which is yeah. honestly hit wise is probably one of the, one of the best songs, but yeah, I was kind of like rooted for summertime and the last I night. Summertime. I love summertime. I've never heard them play it live. I don't think they've only ever done it on the last highway tour live. Yeah. It's and such it's a banger. That one. It's like, like I don't ever listen to it like in the wintertime, but like as soon as it starts getting warm outside here in the U S like I just, roll my window down in the car and just that song. <laughs> so it's so good. That entire yeah. album, like, it just takes me back to like being a teenager and being really emotional and listening to all the lyrics like, oh my God, this yeah. is like my life. <laughs> and like the, the duet that he does with Lee and Rhymes on that album, To We Ain't Strangers. Oh my God, you have no idea how much I wish that that was me when I was younger. And I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah. What, but what's your absolute favorite track on that album? Absolutely. Um, it might be Till We Ain't Strangers Anymore because I love the harmonies on that song. That was like one of the first songs I really properly learned on guitar that was like easier than just playing G, C and D. And um, I remember I learned it with this kid at my school because he was the only other person in my class that could sing. And I was like, you have to learn this song with me because I need someone to like sing the other part. So I think that's probably my favorite one from the album because it has just really nice memories for me from learning it at school with my friend and the harmonies are just yeah. Perfect. 
Yeah, it's it's just it's and you uh, you've also heard some of the outtakes from that album too, right? Like um, "Lonely," "Walk Like a Man," "Put the Boy Back in Cowboy," and stuff like that. Those are good oh, yeah, "Put the Boy Back in Cowboy" is one of my favorite Bon Jovi songs of all time. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe they didn't release that on the album. It's so good. The, it, it is good, but like I don't think it really because like when they were like. I remember when they first announced this album coming out and like John was saying how it was going to be a country influenced album. Like, like all the Bon Jovi fans were like freaking out, like, Oh my gosh, we don't want a country Bon Jovi album. Yeah. But once you actually listen to it, it's not really full on country. You know, yeah. it's like rock with like a little bit of violin and a little bit of. Yeah, it just has like the influence of, and it's, I guess it's when people think of country and stuff, they think of just the instrumentation, but a lot of country is like the storytelling lyrics, which I think is what makes that album country. It's like, it's so honest and there's so many good stories in it that to me, that's what the country influence is on that album. Obviously like the, the violin and stuff, but the lyrics on that album just remind me of, that's what reminds me of country music with proper storytelling. Yeah. And, uh, but so like, like put the boy back in cowboy, I think it was, too, I, I think it's great. So I agree with you, but I can see why it wasn't put on the album. It's, just, it's, it's too, <laughs> too country, you know, especially with the you know, boy bagging cowboy. Kind yeah. of thing. I remember, oh, this is so embarrassing. I remember that when that album came out, is when I bought a Stetson hat because I was like, oh, country. <laughs> <laughs> well, a, a little bit ago, you were talking about how when you got into them, you were, you know, wanting to open up for them one day. And I'm sure people already know, but for those that don't know, you've got to tell about how your Toronto experience happened. It was the most crazy thing ever. So they they did this. I can't believe that a band this big did the competition that they did, because you normally get like competitions and stuff for smaller bands to open for them. But for a band like Bon Jovi to do a competition where even if no one's ever heard of you, you can go and open for them was like the most ridiculous thing ever and I I tried to open for them before I did like a battle of the bands a few years ago and, and this other incredible band won um which was completely fair enough because they were so much better than everyone else but um I somehow got through and like I'll never forget when we found out and I um, invited my band to lunch and I was like um do you guys want to go to Canada and they're like what are you talking about? I was like, do you want to open Bon Jovi? And my drummer went, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think we ha we didn't have like that much notice to get everything ready. Oh, um, really? I can't remember how long, it unless it just feels like that. Because it was such a big deal that we've got so many practices in in such a short space of time because I'm really like, I like things to be perfect. And obviously this was like the biggest gig of my life. And um I just remember like that morning, just everyone was like, you need to eat something. You need to eat something. I was like, oh, I can't. I was so excited and nervous. I think all I had all day was some watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, um, that was just like, it doesn't feel like it happened when I look back on it because the whole day was so crazy. Like I've never been backstage in an arena before and like just seeing all that stuff was amazing enough let alone like oh we're allowed to be here and like <laughs> we're supposed to be here and we got our own dressing room and stuff <laughs> yeah it's like, it was, yeah sorry it's like have you, have you ever seen wayne's world that movie well i actually haven't i really need to watch it oh there's a scene in there where they they get to go like they're huge like rock and roll fans 
and uh, they get passes to go meet Alice Cooper. So they go backstage to the back of the arena, and they, they're like flashing their backstage pass to everybody. Yeah. And so, so when you said that, it kind of reminded me of that movie. <laughs> it's true. I remember just like when because we were given a dressing room and it was like I've never had a real dressing room like when we do gigs here it's like the dressing rooms in the UK are, they suck they're horrible little tiny rooms and they always stink and <laughs> this room was so big and they like had this basket with like Oreos and stuff in it and I was like this is the real deal and um me I like I brought my friend with me who's who was doing photos and stuff and I remember doing this. Oh, it was so embarrassing. I hope no one ever sees the footage. We were like doing this dressing room tour and stuff. We were like, <laughs> it was like a MTV Cribs, but for my dressing room. <laughs> that's that's funny. So so obviously you got to meet John before the show. What, what was that? And if you want, you can show your picture. Oh, um, I was really nervous because being a huge Bon Jovi fan and like John is the main reason I got into music because of his lyrics and and how he performs and sings and stuff and he's what inspired me to really like push for it so you know they always say like oh don't meet your heroes and I had that in my head and I was like oh what if he's not what I like want him to be or something and he I remember him coming out to be like hey guys how you're doing and I was like oh he's just a completely normal person yeah. <laughs> and like he built this thing up in your head and then we just had this really normal conversation. We were talking about sound check and stuff. And he was talking about guitars and stuff with my guitarist. And it was like, oh my God, this is just really normal. And then like, I just had no nerves anymore. And um, it was just super chill. And we just spoke for a few minutes and then got this picture where I, it is me, I promise. I just look nothing like this now. <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was Beth Thornton. <laughs> yeah. Who is that girl? Who is she? <laughs> Did he give you like any kind of like advice as a musician? I, I really wish I'd asked because we just, it was such a casual conversation. I, and I, uh, cause I was like kind of, cause I was nervous. I didn't want to say too much. I didn't want to bug him. And I just kind of let him let the conversation flow. But um, he was just super chill. And was like, like, he was like, you guys go and enjoy it. And we we're like, okay, we will. And we like, we just didn't want to mess up and like let them down because they've given us this awesome opportunity. But I remember, because they have like the underneath the stage and he has the steps going up, which is how he does his amazing entrance. And uh, I <laughs> went up to the top of the steps and because they had all the lights off, uh, you can't see anything. And there was this big cable and I tripped over it as soon as I got on stage. <laughs> Way to start the show. Yeah, like, cool, of course that happened. <laughs> So uh, did you get to meet the other band members before going on stage or after? Yeah, so Phil sat through our sound check, which was so intimidating. I suddenly, I saw him in the front row and I was like, that's Phil X. And I, t I turned to my guitarist and he was like, I can't look at him. I can't look at him while we're doing this sound check. And um, he, that was so cool. And then we saw, um, as we were coming off stage, we saw Tico and we're like, hey, Tico. And we like spoke to him as he was going on for his sound check. Um, the only person I didn't see was David, which I was gutted about. But I did meet him in London a few years ago when this was so random. So this was outside Harrods. And um, I was walking past with my friend because there was a Bon Jovi gig on in London. And he came out and my friend had a pen in her bag. And I was like, I don't have anything for you to sign, but can you sign my arm? And he signed my arm. He was like, don't get it tattooed. 
<laughs> David said that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was cool. That's funny. Um, so yeah. you got to, what was, what was Tico like? Cause he, he's the one band member I've never gotten to meet yet. So what was it like meeting him? He was super chilled out. He was just like, cause obviously for us, it was like this huge novelty thing. And to him, it's like, oh, I'm just going to sound check. Like I've got to go do this. And we're like, Hey, how are you doing? It's like, yeah, I'm good. How are you guys? And I was like, this guy is so cool. Like that's the one word that I would describe Tico is cool because he's just like, he just gives off this vibe of like, Mm. Sure, I'll just lay back. <laughs> He's, he was a really cool dude. So, so like, so back to the actual show for Toronto. What was it like to be able to play in front of all those people? And you know, because what was it like? It, I, I can't describe it. Um, I remember before we went on stage. I wish I could remember this guy's name. He was awesome. He was one of the people sorting out all the sound. And he came up to us and he was high fiving us. He went, "Don't pass out." And that thought hadn't crossed my mind until he said it. And I was like, what if I pass out when I get on stage? And um, the, the cool thing, and well, the good thing was, so I didn't pass out, was because the lights are so bright, I couldn't see all the way back when they first put them on. So I was kind of relieved, like, because I'd never been in such a huge place. And then when they brought the lights up, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I remember saying to my guitarist, like, as they were, like, doing the sound check, I was like, there's not going to be many people here because like everyone's here to see Bon Jovi and stuff. No one comes to see the opening act. And I was like, it's probably only going to be half full. And he was like, that's 10,000 people. And I was like, oh yeah. But then at the end when they turned all the lights on and it was completely full, I was like, this is who we'd like, this is who we just performed to. And I swear it was the quickest we've ever played any songs because we, we had so much adrenaline. My drummer was like, well, you know, I, I watched your set, though, from that show, and I thought it was great. Oh, good. I was terrified. <laughs> and, you know, and that's the thing, though, too, is that what I love so much about Bon Jovi is that, you know, on these tours, they're, they're giving, you know, artists a chance to be able to go from clubs and small venues to arenas and stadiums and being able to get the practice of being yeah. in front of a huge audience like that. You know, so it's great that you got that opportunity because that's how I found your music. It was because of Bon Jovi. And, that, yeah, and, that's so cool. Like, there, I, I don't know of any other bands, especially at that size, that that are doing that for people. Like, opening up for a band is like they're the biggest rock band, like especially to me in the world. Like, opening up for Bon Jovi in an arena with twenty thousand people, like it just doesn't happen. And for it to happen at this stage in their career, like they don't need to be doing that stuff. They don't need to be helping people out. Then, like, do you know what I mean? And they still are. And that's why I think they're so great. Yeah, exactly. You know, because like, look at look at the way John started. You know, you probably know. You know, he had <laughs> trouble getting started. You know, he he threw. You know, not threw, but you know, he gave us a, a single of "Runaway" to the DJ, and that's how yeah. he. You know, he was playing small venues and stuff, and you know, in '84 and '85, they were you know play, opening up for you know big bands like Kiss and ACDC yeah. and Europe and, and all those bands. So Scorpions, so you know it's great that he gives artists now that chance. You know, it's amazing. And what I love about the story with Runaway and the radio stations is, like, didn't he before? Like, none none of the labels listen. They were like, no. Yeah. And then I just I love that. It's so typical of the music industry. Yeah. Like, no. And then they're like, oh, hang on. Everyone in New York loves it. We all want to sign you now. 
yeah, it's like, you know, out of 100, you get rejected 99 times, but then, yeah. last, you know, you finally get it. But it's just amazing how the music industry is. Like, it, you've probably heard of the album Burning Bridges of, yeah, yeah. The, you know, back in 15. And, you know, if you listen to like Burning Bridges, it's like a big F you to the music. Yeah. It is, a, it is a crazy industry. And, like, the thing that's really helpful to me to remember, and I'd imagine also with John, like, if Bon Jovi weren't writing, they've got nothing. Like Bon Jovi, they need Bon Jovi. They need artists. Like the music industry may try and make you believe that you need them, but without the artists and the songs, like nothing exists. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and, uh, it's it's such a shame that, like, look at uh, I don't know if you know, uh, you, you, I'm sure you know, but like the whole story like, with Taylor Swift in the music industry about yeah. like how like she had like five albums and like the record company owned those songs and she had like no rights yep. on the songs that she created, which is her art. And there's so many other artists just like that who have no rights to their art, to their music. Songs that they've written and recorded and worked so hard on. Yeah. These music companies just come right in and say, no, we own these rights. We could do whatever we want. It's it, just, it's not it's fair. Great. Like I know, like lots of people, are like oh, I want a record deal, and like oh, when you get a record deal, that's it, and like oh, you're going to be rich if you get a record deal. It's like, do you know how long you need to be like on a label to make money back, because they keep all the money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like like look at Bon Jovi with their debut album in seven eight seven eight hundred. Like they barely made it dimes from that, and yeah. then like once Slippery came out, I mean that just blew you know huge blowout and successful. But it's just, I, I get so mad at these record companies these days because, you know, they, they t you, know, you know more than I do about it, obviously, but like just the way that they take rights and money and, you know, it's, a, it's yeah, a shame. They, they have the power to do it, um, which is the thing that sucks. And I think Taylor Swift's new record deal is incredible. Like it's the first of its kind where she owns all of the rights to her songs. And I think yeah. I do understand that there's a risk with record labels and they're obviously taking a risk on you and like they're investing in you. But um, I do think it's very outdated that like, oh, keep everything. And you owe us all the money that we, yeah, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I'm not saying these record companies don't deserve to have a partial right to the songs. You know, they do because they're funding, you know, they're like you said, taking a risk. But to 100% take rights away from artists, it's just, that's not fair. Yeah, it's crazy. I really hope that, like, because of people like Taylor Swift with that, with her deal, that there's going to be a change and stuff because oh, lots yeah. of people, um, they're getting screwed and they have been for years and they probably will for quite a few more, but hopefully it's changing. Yeah. You know, it's like, like I was just mentioning about Bur the Burning Bridges album, you know, when... <laughs> they had one more album to fulfill their contract with Island records and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, John didn't agree with the whole contract terms. And I, I think they wanted, I think the record company wanted more rights and more money from John, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so John was like, you know what you want to, you want Cause they were still recording. This house is not for sale. And he's like, you know what, if, if you know, F this company, here's a 10 song, 10 track album. Yeah. You know what the cover looks like, you know? Yeah, you know? it's so good. Like, what an awesome move to make. Yeah. Like, and, and the album was just like full of outtakes. And then he just written one song for it called Burning Bridges. And it was like an F you to, to, to them, you know? <laughs> so but, good. Yeah, you know, but thankfully they, you know, made terms and, and they got 
you know, another contractor. But yeah. next thing, let's talk about the cruise because that's where I got to meet you and I got to see some of your shows. So let's talk about how you got set to be able to play on the cruise. I guess that like I didn't suck too bad opening in Toronto because I got invited to do the cruise. <laughs> so at least I didn't mess up too bad. Um, yeah, that was that was so exciting because I've never been to Miami and obviously I've never been to the Bahamas. Like that was crazy. And to be like, oh yeah, you get to come and open for your favorite artist and um, like you get paid for it. And I was like, what? <laughs> Yes. And they were like, oh, yeah, food's 24-7. I was like, yes, count me in. Food 24-7. <laughs> uh, but that was, it was like the, probably like the most fun experience I've ever had was doing those cruises because I didn't know what to expect. I'd never been on any type of cruise before, let alone like a music one. And it was so cool to be in a place where everyone's there for the same thing. So like... Everyone, it like same mindset. Want to have a good time, listen to some good music and stuff. And like the vibe the entire time was so fun and positive. And I was gutted when it was over. It flew by so fast. Yeah, I think I went. I think my friends and I like went and saw I think like four or five of your shows, and they were all they're all obviously good. But what was it like to be able, like because like you were playing like in the middle of the night too? On, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what, what was it like to? you know play like all these different times like two three shows in one day that was really weird and the difficult thing was like obviously we were we'd only flown in the day before the cruise so we were quite jet lagged um but, but there was so much excitement that it kind of like just dissipated yeah. but in all different times like usually you're obviously just playing at night like that's typically when a gig is but they're like yeah so you're playing at 11 in the morning you're playing at two in the afternoon and then you're playing at 10 and it was like okay <laughs> it was really cool like we had no routine for those five days like it was impossible to have any routine it was like two in the morning we're like should we go get some fries okay <laughs> yeah, I, I i love that about the crew that there was always food and like yeah. i i got like on a huge uh, vanilla cone kick on the crew <laughs> like i think i had literally like a hundred ice cream cones through those four because it was so hot too it was so hot. Oh, my God. So it was easy just to go grab an ice cream cone and walk around the ship. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I was. I ate so many chips on that trip. Oh, like, because you could take all the fries out of the restaurant as well. So I'd get, like, I would get two things of fries and then be like, I'm going to go out on the deck and watch the band now and just, like, eat my fries. It was not the healthiest week of my life. No, no, it was, like, because usually, like, my, for my diet, I, like, cheat on my diet for like one day a week yeah like the cruise it was like five four or five days in a row and yeah like, that's I the, had, we were having like five meals a day yeah. <laughs> like I, i'd have so many cheeseburgers and pizza and i just i like after the cruise i just felt like like a pile of garbage yeah when i got home i was like i just need a salad with no dressing <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it, it was great so like like speaking from like a, a fan's perspective what did you think of the whole Bon Jovi cruise I thought it was awesome I liked being around so many people that were also fans because like I have a, a few friends that are Bon Jovi fans but I, I've never met anyone that was like a huge fan like I was and it was really cool to be like in this group of people instead of feeling like this outsider who's like loves this band but no one knows what it's like because not even any of my friends weren't even like that with other bands. So like no one understood why I loved them so much, if that makes sense. So to be around people that just got it and 
because I, d- I don't know if it's because you guys like knew I was a Bon Jovi fan or if it's just that you guys are so nice and love music. The people that were at my shows, like I just connected with them more than I have with like people at other gigs. And I, I just think it's because we're all, we're all really like minded and we're all there for one reason. And it was just it was really cool. And like I remember the first gig like being emotional when I came off stage because everyone was so nice because I knew that everyone was there to see John like so if anyone came to see me it was just a bonus and when people did and you got you guys were so nice I was like oh it was yeah. so cool well see I I didn't until I actually met you and we actually got to talk and stuff like I didn't realize how big of a Bon Jovi fan you were until the cruise yeah huge Bon Jovi fan like yeah. I think people some people just thought that I was saying that when I opened for them in Toronto and stuff. But like, until you speak to me about it and like, I am a huge fan. Like, I know so much about them. I know all their songs. And um, I was like, just as excited as anyone else to be on that cruise, like because of getting to see John play. And um, yeah, it was really awesome. Like, I, we felt like fans that just happened to be playing yeah. at the same time. And, 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 you know, back to where, where you meet other passionate fans, that's what's so cool about these runaway tour events and the cruises was that you're meeting other diehard passionate fans that, like, know the deep tracks, that know, you know, every band member knows yes. when this album came out and stuff like that. You know, it, it's, it's cool to go to Bon Jovi shows and make friends there, too. But, like, a lot of times you meet fans that only know Living on Prayer and Bad Name and yeah. Bad Medicine, you know? So it's it kind of cool to be on a ship full of diehard fans. Yeah. And, like, singing along to the words with sort of songs that, like, people that aren't diehard fans, like, they wouldn't know. And then, like, everyone's singing along. You look around, and because everyone's singing along, like, I get excited, and then someone else is getting excited next to me, and then we're, like, singing at each other, like, ah! <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like like during the acoustic show, you know, like John did Joey, which you know is from the Bounce yeah. album, and you know, like I would drive you home or Color Me In. Like you never get to see those songs at a, at yeah. a regular Bon Jovi show, so it was so cool to be able to see some of those songs. I was so happy when he played "I Will Drive You Home" because I think that is one of the most underrated songs, and I think it should have been a single. But it's such a good song, and the production on it was so current as well with like the vocoder and all the harmonies and stuff. And like, that's got to be one of my top 10 songs. Yeah, yeah I, I think it should, it was part of it, like a deluxe Target Edition album, but like, I think it should have been on the album. And like you said, a single. Yeah. It just, it is one of the, I think it's, it's probably besides This House Is Not For Sale, it is, and Roller Coaster, it is probably the best song on This House album. Oh. For sure. Like the lyrics are incredible. I remember when I first, because when I listen to music, I always listen to the lyrics first. Um, apparently that's weird. I don't know. But I always pick out the lyrics. And I, I, I just remember being like, oh my God, I wish I could write something like this. Like, yeah. it, this every line in that song is so amazing. It's really good. It really is. You know, and like, I feel like the, like, the ending wasn't completely finished because if you listen to the ending like it's like auto-tuned background voices you know like i don't know like yeah. i don't know if that was like brian and shanks you know yeah, i think know. they use a vocoder so like i think it, it sounds to me like it was um david and like they used a vocoder like do you know what a vocoder is uh-uh. 
So like, if, so if you record, they would record him singing the melody, and then they'd get a keyboard and they would like do a chord on the keyboard, and it turns his voice into a chord. Oh wow! Yeah, like so I you think, think that's what they did. Yeah, I love that stuff. It's so cool. Um, yeah. So you, yeah, you can turn like vocals into chords. So do do you know the Imogen Heap song, which is like all of her voice, like it's all harmonies and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's called Imogen Heap. Let me find the name because that's all vocoded. You you have to check it out. Sorry, I'm. Uh, that's okay. I, I've always I've always wondered that. And I guess you'd be the person to hide and seek. It's hide and seek. It's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, that I that's what that's what I love in that song because it's such a current production move. And like I just think on a rock album, what a cool thing to like just put this super pop thing in there. Like I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. You know, and I also liked um Color Me In. Yes. And and Good Goodnight New York is also a really good one. Yeah. I, I think it just those songs like Good Night New York belongs on the standard edition too. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's so it's good. And then Every time I plug my phone into my car, I don't know why, but Goodnight New York is always the one that comes out. It doesn't matter. Like every time I plug my phone in, it just suddenly comes on. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then Touch of Grey. I, yeah. The lyrics in Touch of Grey is so good. And like, you just wonder how those four songs did not get put on the no. original version, the edition of the album. You know, like I would have taken out All Hail the King. Like there's like five Bon Jovi songs that I do not like. Yeah. There's like only five. And All Hail the King is one of them. I just... And tell come, your face. <laughs> what's that? I can tell by your face. You're like... <laughs> yeah, I just tear. I don't know. I just... I, like, the lyrics are good. It's just the music to it. It's not... And that one in Come On Up To Our House. Like, every time I listen to Come On Up To Our House, I think I'm in kindergarten. You know? It is very, like... <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like I'm watching Barney. I don't know. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, so there's only like five Bon Jovi songs I don't like, and those are two of them, you know. But so, uh, and let's talk about Wembley because you got to do Wembley, which I am incredibly jealous of. Yeah, that was a, a bucket list thing for me, seeing my favorite band of all time at like the greatest venue in the UK. Uh, it was awesome. <laughs> What was it? Where did you like? How far were you from the stage? I was pretty far away. (laughs) But because it was sold out, um, like it, the view was insane because there was just there wasn't one seat empty. It was crazy. And like it started off, it was quite light. And then when it gets dark and stuff, and everyone's holding their phones up, and it was like it was a really emotional gig to be at because it was sold out. And I, I like as a huge fan i'm like they're still doing it they're still selling out stadiums like this is insane and um they played um oh what's why can't i remember the name it's one of my favorite songs is it Ar- amen amen yeah yeah oh my god they played that and those people around me were talking i was like Shh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what's so annoying like sometimes when i'm at shows like i'm recording the song like even like i was watching some of my cruise videos yeah and like you have people beside you going i love you john i love you like yeah. a million times like yeah. just like, shut no. up and listen <laughs> yes oh my god but yeah that was because that's one of my favorite songs like i just think vocally he sounds incredible on there when they started playing it because i was like we were kind of up we, we were really far away and then up like at the top so i like ran down so i was at the barriers 
So I was like, I need to focus because this is one of my favorite songs. I've never seen them play it before. And um, yeah, these women behind me were chattering. I was like, can you, sh it's a quiet song. <laughs> exactly. Oh gosh. Yeah, I'm so jealous you, you got to see them in Wembley. I wanted to go to that show so bad because one of my favorite, I know you've probably seen the DVD, the live from London. From yeah. These days, tour 95. Yes. I just, my Good. favorite performance ever from them is always. Yeah. That's like the best performance I've ever seen them do. And and they did always at your show, right? I believe, yeah, I believe they did. did. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember when the they the audio was uploaded and people were like, because you know, people are, uh, John's not exactly the same as when he was 20. And it's like, and oh. I was like, he sounded fucking great. Like this yeah. audio sounds insane. And they're like, well, this isn't the real audio then because it sounded so good. And I was like, what? So this random person who uploaded this thought, I know, I'm going to auto-tune just John's voice. Yeah, it's just, it's you know, there's some fans out there that you just cannot please. No. And it, it astounds me how there's still fans of them when they can't stand what yes. they're putting out. Like, why are you paying £90 a ticket just to be like, this isn't like it was when he was 30? Well, no. No. It would be boring. <laughs> and like I always see, you know, people tweeting at me or just talking in general about how they wish that John still sounded like he did on the Slippery album or, you know, or the whole Richie shenanigans. Like, come on, like it's time to move on. It's it's, yeah. it's twenty twenty. It, it's not nineteen ninety six. Yeah, no point talking about it. Also, not being funny. You tour that much, your voice it's impossible for your voice to ever say like, you tour for two weeks and gig every day. Your voice is going to be a bit like, yeah. It's still great. No one's ever left. No one that I have ever seen leaving a Bon Jovi show looks disappointed. Like yeah. everyone always looks like they're having a good time. It's like, so just have a good time and shut up. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, like you said, he still sounds so good. Yeah. You know, especially for his, you know, being in his late fifties, he still sounds incredible. Yeah. You know, there's, like you said, you know, when you're doing two weeks in a row of shows and stuff, your voice is going to get tired. Yeah, and they're playing, he's, playing, he's doing two hours minimum a night, which is crazy. There's hardly anyone doing that. Like, like how big are your vocal cords? I think they're, they're like the size of your thumb, aren't they? Yeah. Of your thumbnail? It's crazy. Yeah. And, yeah. And they're so, like, people don't understand how delicate they are. Like, it's, I could have a glass of orange juice and the next day I won't be able to sing as high because I've had something acidic. Oh, like no. literally how sensitive vocal cords can be so people need to just calm down <laughs> <laughs> calm down's the word for it but it, <laughs> yeah. it, it astounds me how some fans you know can be it's just they go and, and these are the same people that still go to the shows and stuff and then all they do is complain about it afterwards I don't get like you're spending like the tickets aren't cheap why are you yeah. going to just be like don't like it well you why did you go <laughs> exactly exactly you know it, it's like like i posted something the other day about uh phil x's uh sound did you see that it was like with the sound check yeah back in 2013 and like there's like a fan underneath it goes that would have been a better show with richie well it clearly was not a show with richie yeah the show with phil i don't understand that stuff like i don't either it's Phil just... is an insane guitarist he's also like a ridiculously nice guy and a ridiculously like talented singer and performer and it's like do you know what richie's not in bon jovi anymore exactly and, so... you know, and i've come to 
piece, you know, to be honest, I, I respect Richie and I love, you know, what Richie has done for the band. And, you know, I always respect that, but yeah. like, we're in a new time now and Phil is just incredible. Like their songs, like, like keep the faith. Yeah. When I've seen, I've seen Bon Jovi probably about 53 times now. Yeah. Since, since 2000 for the last 20 years and keep the faith was always one of those songs where I really didn't care for seeing live, especially like yeah. the guitar solo or the end. Like it was cool, but like I really didn't care for it. But like once I started seeing Phil on that song, like in 2011, 2013, and then the last tour, like it, it just made me love and appreciate that song even more. Yes. And there's other songs like Lay Your Hands On Me that made me appreciate that song more because of Phil. Yeah. And, you know, he, he, he makes it his own rendition, his own yeah. creativity on those songs. Also, he has so much time for talking to people. Like oh, yeah. he's so much effort. And like you can tell that he's still excited to be in Bon Jovi, which is like, you don't see that a lot with like these huge bands. It's kind of like the novelty's worn off. But with Phil, it's like he's like, oh, I'm in Bon Jovi. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, I can imagine what that feeling is like. But yeah, you know, I just, I just, I can't stand it when fans compare or don't. You know, obviously, you you can't compare. They're two different guitars, and they're both great. Yeah. But you, you know, you got to give Phil a chance because the shows. Are, and I I've talked to people that refuse to go to a Bon Jovi show because Richie's no longer there. It's just, I don't really understand it. Like, it's the same songs. They're just like, the, yeah. the guitar is, it's like they both have different feeling. Every single guitar player plays, they could play the same solo and it could sound like a different solo. Exactly. Like, they have their own style. And I just think, it for me, it hasn't ruined any live Bon Jovi shows at all, having Phil there. Like, it's a different experience, but not in a bad way. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I love how, Phil adds his own creativity and his own rendition of these songs and he makes it his own. Yeah. You know? And his voice is incredible as well. Oh yeah. And like you, you probably listen to his solo stuff too. Like Yeah, yeah. Your, oh, this stuff is so good. <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's energy in every single thing that he does. <laughs> yeah. You have like like the drills, like I say, is, is great. I I love it. But it's it's like two different spectrums of Phil, which is really cool. Like so like you have the Bon Jovi spectrum. And then you know, you know, like he tries to contain himself. But yeah. like when, when you have the drills, he's like, you know, out of you know control, and it's it's so cool. I love yeah, it. Yeah, like my my drummer. Um, this is like so he's been my drummer for a couple, well, just over, a, just under two years, I guess. And he's the best drummer I've ever worked with. He's absolutely incredible, and he learned all the pop drumming. Like I have this thing called an SPD which has um like built-in electronic sounds as well as his big drum kit which is inspired by Tico's kit I was like I want one as big as Tico's you need to buy extra drums <laughs> and um but he's in other bands like he's a, a proper metalhead like full-on metalhead yet he's playing songs like Craving You of mine where it's like so pop and then but we always live and stuff I say you just need to go for it and he'll just rip the drums up and it's so good but it's just so funny that he can be like, he's my drummer playing pop stuff. And then he's in this band called Mountain Cooler where they're just like, it's the heaviest music and it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Uh, I was gonna add something too, I forget. Well, yeah, I, I lost, I had a thought I was gonna say it, and then it's Sorry, gone. I interrupted, I apologize. No, 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 <laughs> That's okay. Um, so, Anything else you wanted to, to add today? I mean, I, I just, I'm going to show the picture of me and my band. Oh, yeah. Check that out. I got the date and everything. April 10th, 2017, the blonde hair. 
So I just, I don't even know who that girl is. Oh, that was Beth Thornton. <laughs> My long lost sister. Yeah, no, no, the, the red hair is Betsy Gold. Yeah, I did go brown for a bit and I was like, do you know what? I don't feel as Betsy Gold with my brown hair. It's going back to red. I remember when I first saw Matt on the cruise and he I hadn't seen him since I was really blonde. I, was, I saw him in LA and then he was like, what? Why have you got red hair? I was like, because I'm Betsy Gold now. <laughs> <laughs> Beth Thorne, blonde hair, Betsy Gold. Yeah, exactly. you got to have some sort of, I mean, I've got to make it obvious somehow. Yeah, so if you ever change your hair color to green, you have, you, have to, you have to come up with a new name. Yeah, exactly. My hair will change with my new personas. <laughs> yeah. Um, so before I stop the recording, do you want to uh, tell people who are you know watching about your new single coming out? That's not coming out on the actual date? Yes, my new single called Friday the 13th, which is actually on the 22nd of April. Very confusing, but... Uh, Jerry actually said to me, he's like, oh, you should have released it on a Friday the 13th. And I was like, there isn't one till November. So I couldn't wait that long. But um, I wrote this song. We did write it on a Friday the 13th. Uh, me and my co-writer, everything was going wrong that day. And like the last thing that went wrong before we, I decided on the name of the song was she was like reaching for something and a cactus fell off her shelf and landed on her head. And she had all these like, the, all the spine things like in her head. And she went, fucking friday the 13th and i was like that's what we're calling the song it's called friday the 13th we're writing a song about that and uh, <laughs> i'll never get the image of her pulling little cactus needles out of her head oh it's gonna hurt mind it's like one of the funniest it was she was obviously in pain but i was like <laughs> just trying not to laugh but that's out next wednesday uh 22nd of april and it's just a nice upbeat thing to hopefully take people's minds off of what's going on for three minutes <laughs> and you know some of my other favorite songs from you would be house of fire that yeah was, is it only one or only you only one yeah only one and uh and my favorite is i wish you would that's my ultimate <laughs> favorite i do i love playing that one live i wish you would it's so fun to play live yeah. like that's my favorite one to play on the cruise and then we added in um tayo cruise dynamite in because it has like the same beat <laughs> Oh god, yeah. My band, I was like, we're doing this. My band was like, really? And I was like, yes. <laughs> my favorite lyric, and I wish you would, is uh, it's in the second verse, I think. Pull the band-aid off, I'm ready for pain. I yes. love that lyric. That's like the best line in that song. <laughs> That's awesome. I wrote that in LA with these two awesome writers, and it was so funny because I just packed like t-shirts and shorts because it's LA and it's supposed to be really hot. And I got there and it was the coldest week they'd ever had. And I was freezing cold. I couldn't believe it. Like they said, usually we write up on the rooftop and we, and I was like, what? This is so typical of like an English person going away and bringing the bad weather with them. <laughs> well, so, um, so your new single comes out next Wednesday, yes. Friday the 13th. Does not come out on Friday the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> no. I can't, I can't get over that. <laughs> it's so annoying. But it's too much of a summer song to keep till November. It will be worth it not making sense, I promise. Because the song's not about just that date. It will make sense. Like, so I wrote it. I'm like an optimistic pessimist. And I always, instead of just enjoying stuff, I'm always assuming it's going to go wrong. Like with the Bon Jovi stuff, I was like, it's going to get cancelled. Like we're not going to be going to Canada. Something's going to happen. I think John was sick like a few days before our date and I was like our date I went like, to that show 
yeah all of that stuff and like anything good that happens like for a day I'm excited and then I'm like something's gonna go wrong though and that's what that song's about oh, <laughs> that, that to I'm me excited. every day is Friday the 13th I'm excited to hear it I'll, I'll be buying it um, cool. you know speak about being optimistic pessimistic yeah you, you talk about that show I was actually at that show the Pittsburgh show where he was sick and had to end it early yeah and you know we're talking about fans complaining um i remember going to that show and i didn't realize he was sick like he they came out i thought that you know i was like five rows in front of the stage and i thought band was sounding great he was sounding good and like all of a sudden like after the fourth song he goes i have to apologize to you my my voice sounds like and i i'm sick and blah 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 i was like could have fooled me <laughs> like, like my friends beside were like I couldn't tell either. <laughs> and like, what was so great about seeing that show was that it, it's a different, it was obviously a different kind of show that you don't ever typically see. Cause you know, you got to see John try his best. And I remember like he was pounding the fuck out of his mic stand. Like he was like grabbing yeah. one like this and, and just, I probably shouldn't have done it like on the video like that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but so his mic stand, yeah. and he was so pissed off and like, but so he he obviously had to cancel the or stop the show and he had David yeah. Bryan sing prayer, and but after that show everybody was just so complaining about like how they get how they deserve a refund and blah 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 I'm like you know they still came they yeah. still came on the stage you know they could have just canceled and you would have traveled here for yeah the it's the like I can't even imagine the pressure from the size yeah. gig that they do like I feel the pressure from a, like the venues I play are, are obviously tiny in comparison and the pressure of even thinking about cancelling a gig is horrendous because you know that people have traveled there and stuff and like and going out sick even if like you were saying you didn't notice he would have like you can feel it so much with your voice and I know the anger that he would have felt if he's not singing how he wanted to sing and it's such a frustrating feeling and I just when that happened I was like I feel so sorry for him because it must have just been heartbreaking and also terrifying to have to say to that many people like i can't do it yeah you know people don't understand the logistics too with torn like like you have to do everything you can like john even said at the show he had so many people he had the fans relying on him the band the yep. crew you know and just the logistics of torn you know like, like yeah, i i didn't comprehend like how big all that was until we got to toronto and it's like it is a huge machine that they are running like and they, get, they bring their own stage with them everywhere. It's not like they're not just using a stage there. Like they bring all of it and it's all their design for that specific tour. And they have all the amazing stuff underneath and they've got caterers and stuff. So that's like hundreds, there's hundreds of people working yeah. like with them to make that show happen. And exactly. it'd be like so overwhelming to be the person that's like, well, I can't, like, I can't even comprehend the pressure of that situation. You know, and that's what I love about doing backstage tours. Every every tour, I always do the backstage tour. And it's just so cool to see the machine that is built, you know, how it's coordinated, you know, all the work in hands and just seeing how everything happens. Yeah. You know, like even something so simple as doing their laundry, you know, like, yeah. you know, or it's, 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 it's interesting. It's interesting to go, and you've obviously already done it, you know, going up those steps to go on the actual stage and just yeah. seeing what their view is like yeah it's it's, it's astonishing I, I remember because we were talking to matt when we were there like about how insane the whole thing was because it's so big and i was like how do you organize this many people and he said if you're on time then you're late <laughs> i remember him saying that like that everyone has like john is so 
like everyone has to be here at this time and yeah matt said if you're on time then you're late because you're supposed to be there early <laughs> thing yeah. but like everyone is just so organized there and everyone knew what they were doing and it was just like it was incredible to see yeah it's amazing it was... well i'll keep i'll keep you on after but i'm going to stop the recording and i just want to thank you for being able to come on and talk thank about your experiences for me it's been a really nice positive thing to do amongst all this madness that's going on sure has all right i'm gonna stop the recording one second